0: The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range.
1: Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
0: Sean Payton, keep talking that. We're going to see him soon. You feel me?
1: All right. Welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I am a writer for USA Today's Rams Wire. Uh, It's the first off-season episode of Butting Heads, but no Johnny today. He is off the grid. He did not tell me where he's gone. With me is uh, my colleague from Rotoballer, Kev Masarejin, which I think I got right last time. Uh, Kev's been on the show before. How you doing, Kev?
2: I'm doing well. How about you? You keep hitting on my name, and I'm so proud.
1: I love it. I love it. I'm I'm doing good. The last time you were here, I believe we did the post-game show together for the Cleveland game and we kind of talked about how even though we were 3 and 0 uh it was a very shitty win against a bad team and looking back on it we unfortunately we were right uh probably in most of the things we said on that podcast
2: yeah no uh it's really sad actually how right we were and i i hate it uh we we saw it coming though it felt like a house of cards that 3 and 0 start and it, that's exactly what it was. We ended up nine and seven, which is great and all. It's a you know over five hundred. We would have made the playoffs in the uh, NFC East, but sadly we weren't good enough. And it was pretty evident after that fifty five forty blowout against Tampa at home.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird because like, and for our listeners, I I kind of said this on our roundtable podcast we did the other day, but like this season is to me a for sure a failure uh and a lot of people are saying like it'll be a learning experience like maybe it's not a total failure like yeah I hope it's a learning experience you have to for everybody involved but uh it's it's a failure because we went to the Super Bowl and didn't make the playoffs next year but at the same time it definitely could have been worse you know like nine and seven is fine you know like in a vacuum this is not that big of a deal um had this happened after year one in McVeigh, I think it would have been a bummer, but I don't think it would have been full sail panic mode like a lot of people have been this year. But uh, I mean, all things considered, it, it's three straight winning seasons. This year's a failure, but uh, it, it, to finish 97, man, for all that we've been through over the years, yeah, we're going to bitch, yeah, we're going to complain about it, but it definitely could have gone worse. And at times this year, it felt like we were going to end up worse
2: absolutely uh i think what was the low point what was our absolute bomb bottom of the barrel it had to be after the ravens game right
1: eh, i think um it's crazy because it was a long time ago but i feel like the lowest point for me was the san francisco game where we had 78 passing yards
2: Oh uh, yeah, the first San Francisco game. Yeah. Second one actually got me hopeful. I was like, okay, maybe we're not that bad. Like we like we kept up with them in that second game, but yeah, that first one it was so crazy because of how good we were on that first drive. It was just run, 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 and we scored. And I was like, okay, maybe we have something going here. Maybe you know I shouldn't be all down on them because coming off that Seattle game, you know that that's a game we should have won. Yep, and. I was hopeful. I was like, maybe I'm wrong about the Rams right now. Maybe it's just a slow start, you know, with how preseason is nowadays where all the starters don't play. Maybe it's just, you know, everybody's still kind of, like, getting their gears together. But, yeah, no. I, I, I just think that 45-6 blowout is my lowest point on the season.
1: That one, like, it it was rough, but it didn't bother me as much just because, like, the I knew the Ravens were that good. And if you're going to get shelled like that by anybody – let it be them because they're they're the truth and uh, duds happen. Uh, at least have the dud in a game where even if you didn't have a dud, you might not win anyways. Uh, to me, I think it's my low points were San Francisco and and Dallas, neither of us cool. mentioned Dallas. that was uh-huh. yeah that that one was brutal. Uh, and P- Pittsburgh was pretty low too, but it's we were kind of hanging out of hope that we had a shot there. Um, those are my three games. A lot of people will agree with you on Baltimore, though. Uh, I know, I know Derek, uh, on our pod is deaf. They were fuming after that game. I was just kind of like, they're fucking good, man. And we just, (laughs) I don't know. It was, it was a lifeless performance. It sucked, but I, I was just more wowed by how good Lamar Jackson was after that game. Uh, I mean, we literally, I don't think we had to stop the entire game. Even RG3 came in. Yeah,
2: no. Uh, for me, at least, I, I just see it as at home on primetime Monday night, you can't lose by 39 points. You, you just cannot flounder like that. You can't not put up double digit points. It, it, it was just so bad coming off of, you know, like even that Chicago win wasn't that great. That, that no. felt like a who's going to lose the game rather than who's going to win the game type of situations. And we happened to not lose the game. And then there was the Pittsburgh game, like you mentioned right before that. So, with that, like, I don't want to say it's not momentum, it's like negative momentum, at least. It's You're, you're just kind of getting this bad taste in your mouth. You're like, maybe we could keep up with Baltimore, be like, okay, we're playing a big boy now. That maybe, uh, like, I expected to lose, but I was like, maybe by seven,
1: <laughs> not 39. <laughs> I think we picked them to win on this podcast. And then the oh, next week crazy. we were like, well, Nope, (laughs) that's crazy talk. No, 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 I'm not even there. Yeah, that one was rough. Um, Yeah, that three-game stretch, Steelers, Chicago, Ravens, even though we got a win in there, I think that was a worse stretch than the three-game skid, uh, even though we went 0-3. That Seattle game wasn't that bad. And that, I don't want to re- like relitigate that Tampa Bay game, but that was the weirdest football game I watched all year by far. It just made no sense, and it was kind of just you know a microcosm for Tampa Bay's seasons as a whole. It made no fucking sense whatsoever hey hey, uh, hey.
2: as a chris as a Chris Godwin owner, I was totally fine with that game, so I'm not yeah. you know no skin off my bones.
1: You played anyone on Tampa Bay's team in that game they they pretty much got it done for you uh but it's the first off-season episode, there's been a lot of coaching changes over the past couple days, today especially recording this Tuesday night, I'll go out Wednesday morning. Um, but before we get into all that, guys, make sure you're, subs- make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to our podcast, everywhere you can get your podcasts, if we're not there, let us know, we will get there. Uh, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, uh, leave a review, take a screenshot, send it to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or send it to any of us on Twitter just so we know who's who's leaving the review, who's entering, and you will be entered to win a personalized throwback Rams jersey. Uh, once we hit 200 reviews, we will we will add that contest, and they'll they'll announce the winner, I'm sure, on Ramstalk Radio, uh, the flagship show. And, of course, uh, don't forget to check out our other show on the feed, Rams Uncensored and Rams Talk Radio, obviously. A lot of changes in the staff over the past two days uh the the big news not the biggest news but today the freshest news so we'll start with that john fossil uh coach bones special teams coach of the rams is heading to dallas uh, to join mike mccarthy's staff he was the longest tenure coach on the team i i believe uh, i feel like that's definitely true came in with jeff fisher in 2012 one of one of a two holdovers i think from fisher's staff uh but the other one uh, Skip Pete was also uh, fired, the running backs coach. But Fossil's kind of the end of an era, man. Uh, and you, during during week 17, when he ran that awful fake punt, you kind of saw the look on Sean McVay's face and his reaction. It didn't seem like this was impossible. Uh, but reading the headline, little piece of me died knowing that we're going to lose bones. He won it. We Under him, we were one of the best special teams units in the league this year. Not so much, but outside of that, Greg Zerline, Johnny Hecker, uh, the rotating Cook-Turners. It was always something special with Bones, and it was always something you could rely on. And I think we're going to miss that, man. Yeah, no, uh, he was not the best
2: uh, interim head coach, but I no. liked I liked the cut of his jib. Like He always seemed like a player's coach. The guys seemed to like him on the sidelines and whatnot. You know, obviously I don't know too much about him because he's a special teams coach and there's only so much you can know, but, you know, Hecker being as great as he's been over the past couple of years, Pharaoh Cooper having that all-pro season under him, uh, you know, he certainly left his mark.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about upcoming free agents later, but Dallas had kicker troubles this year. Our kickers a free agent? makes me a little scared that Legatron oh. may be heading to Dallas with Fossil. Um, but like you said, he's a special teams coach. Uh, we don't know too much about him outside of that. Hopefully we don't miss a beat with the new coach. Obviously, Johnny Hecker is under contract for a long time. So we'll see what happens. Curious to see how they how they manage the fakes and everything. But uh, I think if that's the thing that tears our team apart, part next year then i i will be shocked but we will definitely miss bones the big the biggest story obviously is wade phillips defensive coordinator after three years with the team uh they chose not to renew his contract kev i'm just curious do you think this was the right move just to start
2: absolutely not no Wade, Wade's an incredible defensive coordinator. I don't understand letting him go. I get that his contract's up, and I'm glad like it wasn't like a firing, but uh, defense wasn't our problem. Like if any, that was our strong suit this year. Uh, I'm honestly kind of shocked that we went with this um, went, went with this option.
1: I I, I, I don't know. It, I it's think I agree.
2: It just doesn't make sense. It feels like a scapegoat kind of situation. Like, oh, we got to fire somebody. It,
1: it definitely feels a little scapegoaty. It feels a little, um, I, the rumor is they want to go, go younger. They want a whole youth movement across the board. If they're going to do that, so be it. Uh, I, I guess I get it, like his contract was up. But I I would definitely rather have Wade around as well. There, there was a couple duds this year. Uh, obviously, we just talked about Baltimore. Uh, that was insane. Dallas was was brutal, uh, and Tampa Bay, but those are the those are the three duds this year. And look, those are those are three good offenses. Uh, Tampa Bay on their best day is very good. Dallas on their best day is very good. Baltimore on their worst day is very good. Uh, it, those those were the three worst games here. And other than that, man, they it wasn't really their fault that we lost any other games. And you look at some of the games we lost. Now, Pittsburgh, we lost seventeen to twelve. San Francisco, we lost twenty to seven. Um those games were not on Wade's defense. And we'll see what happens, but like my it it's a little conflicting. I think I kind of saw it coming after the last couple weeks, uh, just with where it felt like we were gonna go, but I don't know the direction I felt like we were going is the right one. And I could be proven wrong. I hope I am. maybe it was just time to move on, but you could always count I feel like you could for the most part count on Wade's defense, and the positives always outweigh the negatives uh, during his three years here.
2: Yeah, no, so you mentioned those scores. You forgot to mention uh the Super Bowl. we lost 13 to yep. three. That wasn't his fault. He did his job. He did his damn job throughout that game
1: against arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in that game they scored 13 points uh yeah it's
2: yeah. It, it's ridiculous it, like we look at okay i don't want to say dvoa is god or anything but by uh dvoa our defense uh, our pass defense and rush defense both top 10 uh albeit nine and eight but that's great and the two teams you mentioned that blew us out two of the three teams dallas and baltimore by dvoa their offenses are one and two respectively So it's like, what do you expect? mm -hmm. Come on.
1: Yeah, it's – I feel like it was just a move they felt like they had to make. And I don't know if you have to make that move. Like the players love playing for Wade. And it's it's not like Jeff Fisher, a guy who the players love playing for. uh, He was the head coach. Like, yeah, he had to go. Uh, I don't necessarily think Wade had to go. We have a winning record overall during this tenure. I think they're just, they want to shake things up, maybe for the sake of shaking things up. And a lot of times it doesn't work out in sports.
2: No, absolutely. It just, uh, like we said, it feels like a move they felt like they had to make rather than one they should have made. It, I'm, I don't know. I, I I don't know who they'd replace him with, like uh, Joe Barry, like you mentioned. Or uh, it, it just, uh I I don't like any of our other options out there. Uh, I feel like Wade's going to be a steal for any team that comes in and uh, snatches him from our grips. Or not from our grips since we let him go, but
1: just, oh, God. I hate it. I hate it so much. A lot of people think Aubrey Pleasant, the defensive backs coach for us, is who they're eyeing for the job. And, hey, at least he's a Wade disciple. A lot of people are talking about, like, how it's seamless to shift from a 3-4 to a 4-3 if you have to. I think we we, we noticed firsthand that it's not. Uh, obviously, when we switched, I think because Wade Phillips was riding the ship, we were fine for the most part. But uh, you look at the difference between 2016 and 2017, guys like Robert Quinn especially didn't really fit in that defense. Uh, Mark Barron didn't really fit in that defense. Alec Ogletree didn't fit at all. Uh, now, Bar- Barron and Ogletree, you could argue that they're just not that good in general, but um, Robert Quinn was an all-pro not that far before that season, and if you look at this year in Dallas, he had a great year. So the, I would prefer, unless unless a lot of guys aren't coming back, that we stick with the 3-4, but we'll see. Uh, I don't hate the Aubrey Pleasant move if that's if that's really the direction they want to go. He's another guy players talk highly of. But then you're going to you're going from the most experienced defensive coordinator in the league to one of the least experienced, and that's that's kind of a scary thought.
2: Yeah, I kind of like staying in house though. Kind of uh, if he plans on keeping the sk- same scheme, because a lot of our guys are going to be sticking around, assuming uh, we keep Jalen Ramsey around. Uh, we have a you know a defense pretty much built for uh, like it's not really 3-4 anymore so much so as everybody just plays in nickel. Nickel is the base defense that everybody goes by. 3-4 right now is is the um, i don't know, it's ceremonial. It, you're ceremoniously calling it that nowadays, wherein it's used maybe 30% of the time whereas nickel is what's primary in al- almost across the league. So it really doesn't matter as long as um You know, if we stay in-house, everything's kind of going to remain the same regardless. And I'm kind of more happy with that than anything. Just because why rock the boat if things are working? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you go with the new scheme. I don't think you go back to the 4-3 unless you have a, like, surefire head head, or defensive coordinator hire you can make. Um,
2: Yeah. I don't think there's anybody out there anyway, so just if this doesn't work out going into 2020 then maybe opt for a different uh, direction but for now just you know stick with what we got
1: i'm with you uh next we we got to talk about the running backs coach because i know you got some takes about the running game this year but uh before we do let's take a quick break
0: the nba is back where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on?
1: Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. All right, Skip Pete out as the running backs coach for the Rams. He was he was here with Jeff Fisher when Sean McVay came in. Todd Gurley advocated for him to remain in the staff. Uh, seemed like a good move. First two years, Todd Gurley runs for at least twelve hundred fifty yards in both seasons. Now he's kind of just be- he's kind of become the fall guy a little bit. Uh, the running game obviously did not work out. This season, especially compared to the past, Uh, Todd Gurley had a down year, Dale Henderson didn't do much, Malcolm Brown, he had his moments, but uh, Kev, do you think that this guy is just straight up being the scapegoat here for Gurley's struggles?
2: Honestly, uh, (laughs) absolutely. I look at um, our uh, rushing highs each game throughout the season, we didn't have a single game with a 100-yard rusher. Gurley got close a couple times with 97 yards, but that was coming off the back of heavy workloads and whatnot. And uh, Her- Daryl Henderson, like when he led the backfield, got 49 yards. Malcolm Brown once had like 40 40- It doesn't matter. And as much as you want to have someone to blame like Skip Pete, I guess, it's not really his fault. It's our offensive line, and it's been clear throughout the year with how much Goff's been uh, pressured, with how bad – uh, the holes have looked on the field. It, it This is just not the same offense we had the past two years. This is just really shoddy. It felt like a makeshift O-line we put together after losing Saffold, giving up Brown, uh, seeing Austin Blythe regress, and Havenstein regress heavily as well. It, it's not the running back coach's fault that our running game went to
1: crap. I'm glad you mentioned Giving up Brown. I don't want to go into that. But we kind of gloss over the fact a lot that they had a starting guard caliber player last year. Got suspended, lost his job, and they just gave him away. They just cut him uh, for no reason. We definitely could have used him at the beginning of this year. But, yeah, I, <laughs> if, if you, I get why they got rid of him. Uh, you want to you clean slate in that backfield. It makes sense. But if somebody's going to sit there and honestly act like Skip Pete. Was the reason why we didn't have a running game this year? You are just delusional, uh, Kev. We got into it on Twitter a little bit the other day because uh, our friend Sosa over at uh, Turf Show Times he tweeted he he wrote a really good article about what the Rams could do with their cap, and one of the things in the article was trading Todd Gurley. Now, he's got a huge contract, so you might think like trading him no brainer move, but in 2020 you're effectively only saving 5 million dollars uh and then you're eating 12 million of his 17 million behemoth contract so to me like i think he's still worth in that vacuum a 5 million dollar player and then you came in and said he's not even worth 1 million dollars do you really think he's that washed that uh like nothing is salvageable here and that it's just The writing is on the wall for Todd Gurley.
2: I mean, we've seen this historically with running backs. Once they go bad, they don't get good again. Like maybe there are historical outliers like Adrian Peterson, but he's arguably one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, It's very, very rare you see a running back get back to glory after hitting a low. Maybe they could get better. Maybe he could get better and be worth a little more than that one mil. But running backs are so replaceable that if you're not producing at an elite level, like let's say uh, Christian McCaffrey or uh, Dalvin Cook, your ass is grass. Like, we don't really need you that bad. Uh, Todd Gurley making so much money is a mistake. He shouldn't have been signed to that ridiculous contract. That was basically just, hey, you're kind of the face of the franchise. You were a first-round pick. Uh, The fan base would go kind of crazy if we didn't re-sign you. But now the fact that we can save that $5 million, I feel like that is the best option that we can take because we have such a garbage cap situation with Goff's contract, Donald's contract, Gurley's contract, Cook's contract, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that we need to squeeze as much money as we can and Gurley is the odd man out in this situation. Hopefully Cook's too, but we'll discuss that later. Uh, But for now, we need money to allocate to guards. We need money to allocate to linebackers. We need money to allocate um, to maybe another uh, to Jalen Ramsey. Like we can't waste it on Todd Gurley, especially when in uh, Sosa's article he mentioned that Daryl Henderson led the league in broken tackles per rush at like what five point six or something, or five point yeah. six, or it was, I forgot the exact numbers, but it was uh, it was a fantastic piece. And um, it basically – like, you know, running backs, it, they don't have to produce year one. We saw Ronald Jones this year look way better than he did last year. And hopefully Daryl Henderson next year can return that value that we spent two third-round picks basically on. And if we do let go of Gurley. To,
1: to me, if especially if you can do what a lot of people are talking about is restructuring Jared Goff and freeing up, up to $17 million in cap space. To me, it's just like you're going to – you're going to have, you might have to move an asset to get off of Todd Gurley's money. And if you were getting off of all the money, I'm absolutely for it. But to me, you. you I think you keep the continuity. I think you, because um, you, you're saying $5 million. I just, I don't think it's worth making that move. And I, I know you don't agree with this, but He's a guy that's been there. He's a guy that's respected in the locker room. I, he's a guy that knows the system. He, I don't think he was as bad in 2019 as you do. I also don't think he was as good. As, there's this weird thing going on that people are acting like we need to give Todd, show Todd Gurley the respect he deserves, like not blaming him at all for 2019. Look, he deserves a lot of blame. Uh, I think he had a lot of moments—not uh, a lot, but a fair amount of moments of brilliance. But you can't go out there and look and say this is just a straight-up fluke year uh, because his this is his lowest rushing total of his career. Uh, he played one less game than he did in 20, 2016 when he had 885 yards. This year he had 857. But he still had less than that middle school offense year. He deserves blame here, but the contract is so crazy that you're only saving five mil. To me, I think you just try and run it back. You see what you have there. uh, If you can clear the cap with Goff. And look, if if he's still looking like this, you mix in more of Daryl Henderson than we did this year. And I, I think he's a good pass protector as well. I think that was something that got glossed over a lot this year. Uh, Is how much they had him blocking, which I don't think it's the full reason why his targets and yards were so down in the passing game. But it certainly was a big part because of how much he was being asked to block. He wasn't really running routes all the time. Um, So to me, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, the
2: reason he's not running routes as often is because he was terrible when he was catching the ball. He had this worst receiving year of his career. He was at 6.7 yards per reception. That's a full yard lower than that soft that garbage sophomore year he had and half as much as his elite 2017 year where he had 12.3 yards per reception on 64 catches. This year at 31 catches on 49 targets. Like you you and I both saw how useless he was in the passing game all year. He looked like a plodding he looked like Garrett Blunt out there in the passing game at least. Rushing, it wasn't as bad as I'm kind of making it out to seem. But if you can't have your running back be versatile, they're almost useless nowadays.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. He he did not look great in the passing game. He had a, he had quite a few drops from what I remember. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where like the girly defenders will be like, well, he had a block all the time. That's why I wasn't passing catches. No, That's
2: it's partial. because he's catching passes. At 63- yeah he was catching 63 percent of his catches which is like 10 percent lower than any other year he's had
1: yeah i think the i think it's a mix of both and the fact that he was bad when they actually went to him gave them no incentive to not use him as an extra blocker especially considering you have a running back who's not catching the ball well and you have a line who's not protecting the quarterback well why wouldn't you use him in that regard uh but he was good as a pass protector and i think um, I try to shout that out as much as I can because people do <laughs> gloss over that a little bit because it's <laughs> yeah. it's not something anyone really cares about. But, uh, yeah, I, I've said my piece. If you could move his salary and we wouldn't carry that money, I would be fine attaching a pick or another asset to move it. But the fact that we'd be eating $12 million this season even if we traded him, that's why I'm pretty strongly on. I'd rather just keep him around. That's fair. Um, let's keep talking about the offseason. Rams have a lot of, eh, you know what? Why don't why don't we keep going on the contracts here while we're talking about it? We mentioned Brandon Cooks. So I know you want to talk about this, whether or not they're going to trade him. Um, to me, I, I don't know how you feel. I feel like he has maybe less trade value than Todd Gurley does. Um, A hard eh. disagree. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking at his – I didn't realize his out was next next year. I thought we had yeah. another year till it.
2: No, okay, so he has a, an out that's one year before Gurley's, so you can get yeah. off the last uh, – what is it? $48 million or so, $49 million of his contract, which runs from 21, 2021 to 2023. And uh, even though you'd have to pay him essentially $17 million this year, you're still getting a capable player. It's just as long as he doesn't get his head knocked on the ground – He's very good. He does his job. He stretches the field. He's still a great route runner and whatnot. It's just he has to stay healthy. Like Gurley, I don't think he'll ever be healthy again because he's dealing with arthritis. So it'll be much harder to deal his contract, especially with when the out is in 2021. And with Cooks, I don't want to say I feel like a snake oil peddler here. But it's like someone should buy in and take him off our hands because it would save us a good chunk of cap if he is uh, traded after 2021. There would be uh, $12 million in cap savings if we trade him after June 1st.
1: So we'd have to wait until after June 1st this year to trade him, right?
2: Yes, essentially. Uh, there'd be uh, $13 million in dead cap uh, for 2021 and $4 mil in dead cap for 2020, but there'd be $12 million in cap savings. So if we were to postpone any sort of extensions, contracts and whatnot, we could totally add in that 12 mil on top of, as you mentioned, the golf restructure, we'd have, uh, we'd have opened up nearly $30 million to work with.
1: Yeah. So I feel like you got to have that trade in place before June 1st, but just for these reasons, you don't pull the trigger on it yeah. literally. Exactly. And, yeah. Okay. Because like, when, whenever that comes up, I always think of like, why you can't you're not going to trade Brandon cooks in June. Like that's got to be in place. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I actually didn't realize that his out was this year. I thought his was also next year. So I guess that is a tradable deal. And to me, um, no, we played games without him this year when he was on the field. We didn't look to him much. Uh, he wasn't great, but I agree. I'm, I'm still a believer in him. Uh, to me, if you can move him, you move him to clear up that cap space because of how much you're able to free up. Uh, it's not as insane as the girly one is where you really only get five million. Um, so I think you, you do move that and because we've seen the trio of Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds. And now that we have uh, you know Tony Gon Higby at tight end, uh, you, you don't need that extra weapon. Uh, so i think he if you can move him and not really give up an asset to do it i think you do it a lot of people are trying to speak a brandon cooks for odell beckham swap into existence that's probably never gonna happen ever (laughs) i'd be thrilled about it uh but that ain't gonna happen yeah if i think with cooks like you give him away for a fifth-round pick, save that cap space. I think you do it just because you have the pass, the guys in the passing game there. Uh, you have Josh Reynolds right behind him. You have Tyler Higbee, and if he could sustain this, he's going to be a monster. We'll see next year. Uh, and then you do still have Gerald Everett, who, who's also a, a capable pass catcher. You have the guys that you don't need to be investing so much money into the receiver position, and, and you got a Cooper Cup potential extension coming up. Uh, he's going to be the out man out at some point. Uh if he's not traded this year, he's probably going to get cut next year.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. We have Josh Reynolds for 800 or 900,000 for this season. We like we have one more year of a cheap wide receiver core we could squeeze out of Woods Cup Reynolds and we need to make the most of it. We cannot be a, we cannot afford to pay Brandon Cook 17 million this season given how unreliable he's been of late.
1: Yeah. We'll see if somebody takes him. Uh, that'll that'll be a big deal. But I think please, yeah, please, you got you got to think somebody with a lot of cap space will just take take a fly on that guy because look, he was not he was really good in 2018. Uh, he was a very important part of the team. Uh, people do forget that. But um, another contract coming up, Jalen Ramsey. To me, you got to pay him, man. I don't know how you feel. You, I think you got to pay this guy.
2: Yeah, there's no way you trade two firsts for a guy and don't pay him unless he's like an absolute head case or like, you know, he pulls an Antonio Brown or something. Yeah. We got to pay Ramsey. He performed when he got here. He like, you know, didn't he have that knee injury he played through? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he showed that he wanted to be here and he seems happy. He likes the core. Um, we're probably going to let go. I, we already let go of Weddle, right? Or we informed him we weren't going to bring him back.
1: I I'm not sure. But that that seems like all but certain. He's not going to be here. Uh, yeah, I, so there's yeah, no he
2: way. to get along with that secondary, and um, as long as everything stays in place, we should absolutely pay Jalen Ramsey. Like, there's no. I, I mean, what dollar amount would be too much at this point? I think he deserves top dollar, right?
1: As long as you're not paying him the same exact amount of money you paid Aaron Donald. Oh yeah, uh, he's gonna make make high like high teen millions. I don't know if that makes sense, like 16, 17, 18, whatever. And look, the Rams have actually drafted very well on defense for the most part with less need, uh, especially in those middle rounds where you get cheap talent. You have the best defensive player in football in Aaron Donald, you pair him with arguably, maybe not this year, but one of the best cornerbacks uh, in jail Ramsey, you could put the rest of the pieces together. Uh, that's, Two of the best players in the league at crucial positions, you can you can get cheap. And look at next year, uh, you're looking at secondary: Troy Hill, Taylor Rapp, John Johnson, all on cheap deals. Uh, Johnson was really emerging before he got hurt. Taylor Rapp had a huge mistake in that 49er game. Other than that, he had a had a great rookie year. Uh, you're you're gonna be cheap outside of him, and they'll figure it out. You gotta pay him. Uh, I know sunk cost is a thing, but he didn't deserve that because he's, he's been good. He's been a good player.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be a really brutal 2020 or, uh, 2020, 2021 off season next year when, uh, we have to pay John Johnson, Cooper cup, et cetera, et cetera. Probably gonna have to let yeah. go of Robbie Roby Coleman. But, uh, for now we got to make the most of what we have and Jalen Ramsey is what we got.
1: Nick, Nickel Roby Coleman, a, uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but he is a potential cap casualty for this year. We could cut him and save all the money, all four point five million of his contract. But to me, That's there's tough. no, there's he's no. He's been reason. good. Like he's been legitimately good. Yeah, he's not that expensive. He plays an important position, and unlike Weddle, we don't have a guy right behind him to take over. I think. He'd... Let's talk about the 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 guys that are are up this year. Uh, our free agent class, Dante Fowler, Corey Littleton, Michael Brockers, Andrew Whitworth, Greg Zerline, and then, uh, of lesser importance, Marky Christian, Blake Bortles, Bryce Hager, uh, and Jojo Natson's a restricted free agent. He'll probably be back, but a lot of people are debating the Dante Fowler and Corey Littleton thing. Rightfully so. Uh, we're probably gonna have to lose one of them, and you got to think they want to keep the other. Uh, but well, the other guys are kind of getting glossed over. Michael Brockers, he's been huge for us for almost a decade. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, that's like a, a whole different situation. He might retire. He might take a discount. Who knows? Uh, and then Greg Zerline, who's been our kicker for last seven seasons. I mentioned earlier, I might he might he might follow uh, John Fossil over to Dallas. Out of these five guys, I'd say we talk about them, hey, we don't have to talk about Caroline out of Fowler, Littleton, Brockers, Whitworth, who do you see back here next year and who would you want if you could like have your pick a litter would you want like what which of these guys would you want to stay here?
2: as much as I like Dante Fowler uh, like I like the way he plays. I think he's aesthetically pleasing to watch. the most impactful is probably Corey Littleton. And uh, it's hard to make up what he does in uh, coverage in the middle of the field and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it has to be Corey. Because Dante's a pretty good pass rusher, but he's kind of shoddy in run defense at times. He gets beat up. We lo- like You lose sight of him at times. He's not dominant. And he's going to kind of command a contract that might be a little pricier than he deserves. Just because of his name, because because he's a top
1: three pick in the past.
2: And he has played well, but not well enough to overpay.
1: Yeah, I think Littleton is definitely the one you target. Um, it is important to note, franchise tag for 2020 for linebackers is 16.27. I believe they would both fall under linebackers, Fowler and Littleton. Uh, mm-hmm. So you never know. Uh, depending on how we how we mix up the cap space maybe we uh, maybe we pay Littleton and franchise Fowler just to keep him around we'll see though Uh, I don't know if they're gonna be able to do that tag but I think Littleton's your priority number one this offseason I'm curious to see how much he how much he'll get because we think he should be paid as an elite linebacker ish Uh, but he he doesn't have a ton of buzz outside of analytics nerds and Rams fans you know what I mean like I exactly. don't I don't know if there'd be a huge bidding war on him. It's almost certainly he's going to get at least eight figures, 10 million, but we'll see. Hopefully we can kind of, hopefully he stays under the radar. We can get him on maybe like a $12 million contract for a couple of years. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, no, he does
2: not have the same name recognition that Dante Fowler has. So exactly what you said, you can kind of get him a li- like with a little hometown discount, a little bit of a name value discount. And, really work the cap as much as you can. So that's why, like, aside from him being the better player, he's also the lesser known. So it really works in our favor. We have a couple young pass rushers like uh, Traven Howard, Ogbanyo Okoronkwo, and obviously Ebicam, who aren't who aren't the best, but we have guys who can kind of make up the production on the edge and maybe draft or sign a couple guys for cheap. But uh, it it would be hard to lose um Littleton given that our backup would be what like Kenny Young
1: (laughs) yeah I think it is Kenny Young uh Bryce Hager well now he's a free agent I guess really it's 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 Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young right I Uh, don't hate Kaiser but
2: like I wouldn't want him as my top linebacker option
1: (laughs) yeah I agree um and as far as pass rushers, you could always not cut Clay Matthews. He's a guy a lot of people think will be a cap casualty, but you're going to lose Fowler. He's Clay. The analytics don't love Clay Matthews, but look, he got to the quarterback a lot when he was on the field. Uh, I would not mind keeping him around for his for his salary.
2: If roughing the passer didn't exist, Clay Matthews would be the greatest pass rusher of all time.
1: <laughs> I I don't I don't disagree with that uh yeah i mean you could keep him around uh michael brockers love him shook his hand at the draft the year he got drafted i feel like he's gone i hate to say it unless he takes a big discount which you never know maybe he really likes being here i if i'm him i'm going to get the bag and we're not going to offer him the bag hard agree yeah
2: i just don't like his time has come he did his job. We kept him around, and he's a fantastic player, Like, seems like a fantastic person, but he's just not that great of a pass rusher. He's an awesome run defender, but you don't really need to pay those. You can draft those. You can find those on the street. Those are available anywhere for the most part. Uh, we have Donald. We're paying him basically all the money that you could pay any defensive tackle. He's paying like We're paying him as much as you would pay an entire unit of D-linemen, so we kind of have to be smart over there. And speaking of smart, we do have Tanzel Smart, Greg Gaines, Sebastian <laughs> Joseph Day. So we have we have guys who can kind of fill in already. We have rotation guys to work right. Brocker's spot. So I'm not too worried about that loss.
1: If if anything, uh, if free agency doesn't go the way you want it to go, maybe you give him a one year deal for 10, 10 or so million uh, to keep him around another year. But I don't see them giving him long term money uh, or much money at all. And I. I think he's earned earned a nice payday. He's already gotten a nice payday, but I think he's earned another one if he wants it. Uh, but if he if he wants it to stay here for for a, a team discount, I'm sure they love it. Uh, he played a lot better this year than he did with Sue last year. Andrew Whitworth. It seemed like to me it seemed like he was going to retire, but he keeps saying like the Rams will be priority number one. So it seems like he wants to come back by. By what he's saying, even if it's not with the Rams, Uh, to me, it seems like if he it seems like they'll give him like a one year, seven ish million dollar deal and bring him back if they have that money.
2: Yeah, I'd pay Andrew with whatever you wanted for a one or two year contract. Honestly, he's still a fantastic pass blocker. Uh, He was literally our only above average uh, offensive lineman this year And protecting Goff's side Is probably the most important job in the NFL
1: Yeah and he I think he He was our best lineman But even he was bad during those Dark weeks where we were really fucking bad uh, But once the line Kind of settled out In the second half of the season I think he played a lot better And I, I would be fine With him coming back on a One or two year deal even if it's a slight Overpay for his age uh, he can still get it done, uh, and he's 38. I feel like I feel like he's got one more year if he comes back, uh, which it, it does seem like he's going to. Um, other guys, Greg, Greg Zerline we talked about a little bit, but Markey Christian, Blake Bortles. Uh, maybe you get Christian back at a vet minimum if he's up there. <laughs> you think Bortles comes back? I have no idea what the market for Blake Bortles is going to be.
2: I, I love Blake Bortles. Uh, I'm a big uh, The Good Place fan. So uh, there you go. I'd love to yell Bortles as much as I, uh, I could if I were at the game. But for the most part, uh, I don't want to pay Bortles whatever he would command because he'd get like a decent backup quarterback salary. And that's really not worth it to us. We should be really just focusing on John Wolford and whatever quarterback we draft or sign off the street. So, yeah, no. Uh, I'm going to miss uh, old Blake, but
1: yeah that, you can't really do much there i'd be fine giving him like three million if that's what it takes. Right, that,
2: even that's too much honestly like you're if we don't have not that golf is that great but like if we're not starting golf we might as well just be tanking and even, like mortals <laughs> might help with that but
1: we, yeah. we, we shouldn't
2: be bothering to the quarterback position at all outside of golf
1: well look six, i mean six, i'm six, six mil come on like we can't pay anyone else I'm thinking out of the lens that we will be back to hopefully being a a playoff contender next year. And to me, I'm still scarred from the backup quarterbacks of the past. I like having a backup that if Goff were to go down, I don't feel like our playoff chances are eviscerated. I think Bortles is good enough to do that. I was really hyped when we got him last year. Um, we are strapped for cash, so you might be right that 3 million would be a little too much, but uh, I would personally be fine with it because I think your quarterback goes down, you got to have a backup plan there. And uh maybe maybe Wolford can do it? A lot of people love him. A lot of people on Rams Twitter uh especially so over there fucking love that dude.
2: Yeah, uh honestly, I've never seen John Wolford throw a football in my life. <laughs> And I've seen Blake Bortles throw a football a lot in my life because, honest to God, I used to be a low-key truther of his. I was like, no, 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 no. He'll be good in a couple years. Now I'm doing that with Josh Allen right now. But uh, Bortles was my guy a couple years ago, mostly because I just liked him. I I was like, I I like this guy, Like, like with Fossil. I like the cut of his jib. He seems like a good guy, but he never panned out. And honestly, I'd prefer him to pan out elsewhere nowadays rather than with us.
1: I, I think Bortles is exactly what you want a backup quarterback. Uh, has won he's games. Home. Like, if he comes in, you you know there's a chance that you'll win. You know what I mean? It's not like Sean Mannion trotting out there. Uh, okay. He's the guy that is not consistent enough nearly or really even when he's at his best. All that good enough to be an every week starter. But he, he he's fun. We all like him. And he's not that bad. Uh, when you have a backup quarterback, you just want him to be not that bad. Really, that's the best you could hope for, unless you have like Teddy Bridgewater over there. Um. <laughs> Speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, we we got you guys, anyone who follows me on Twitter, you know we can end this podcast without talking about the Saints. Uh, a debacle of the highest order. Eight point favorites, the first 13 and three team ever to lose in the wild card round, the New Orleans Saints once again uh, <laughs> lose in a heartbreaking last play fashion and once again are blaming it on the referees. Uh, I have been soaking in this all week. I honestly like this. I enjoyed this more than the Patriots losing. Uh, it was incredible. And let, let me, Kev, let me give it a slightly... Or not a fully serious take about Sean Payton. Uh if you've read my Twitter, you read plenty. my <laughs> I have
2: read Twitter plenty.
1: You guys go check me out at Steve Ribeiro if you want to just sink in the pa- the Saints and the Sean Payton hate. Here's what I gotta say honestly about Sean Payton. Yes, he's obviously a good coach. There's no denying that. But he gets propped up to the level of like Bill Belichick in that he's undisputedly, undeniably a top five coach, week in and week out, always gets it done. Since they won the Super Bowl, he hasn't gotten anything done. They've had good teams. They've had a couple losing seasons. Uh, He got suspended for a year for trying to murder NFL legends. Nobody talks about that. But this is the third straight year they've lost on the last play. They've lost a lot of heartbreaking playoff games. Uh, If he didn't have that ring... He probably would have lost his job by now. Uh, I know he's got an attachment to the city because of Hurricane Katrina and Drew Brees, and rightfully so. He did win them a Super Bowl. It happened. But Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl with a great quarterback, and we all just blamed him completely for the fall of that Packers team the last couple years. And maybe that was true. But people don't, for whatever reason, they don't blame Sean Payton at all for any of this. The last two seasons in their elimination game, he has horribly managed the clock at the end of the games. Last year, he got bailed out because rather than our cornerback turning around and swatting the football away, he decides to lay out Tommy Lee Lewis, basically a third stringer who they're throwing the ball to in the red zone in a tie game when the other team still has timeouts. And he just got, he, he got a complete pass for that series because it should have been pass interference. Of course it should have. But this year he does the same thing. Doesn't work out. They lose in overtime on a play that people are saying may or may not have been pass interference. Uh, to me, they were, both, they were both doing stuff. It is what it is. But I, I'm glad that some people are finally coming around to, you know, Sean Payton is not Bill Belichick. He's not on that tier uh they do not deserve to be put on that pedestal every year year in and year out like they are because not only have they not won a Super Bowl since 2009 they haven't played in one it's you you gotta I mean I've been holding McConnell for a long time but like you can't look at that and say yeah these guys it'll it, they'll, they'll, it'll work at some point like will it everyone's getting older
2: uh okay uh, I think I have an interesting uh name for this segment you could do if it was a recurring Hate and Payton. <laughs>
1: Hay-ton you call it. Payton.
2: I feel like that's uh that's very on brand for you right now.
1: I love it. It's but, essentially uh, recurring.
2: A, yeah, I feel that. Wait, I'm looking up some interesting stats right now because I'm I'm not so much uh Sean Payton uh, you know I'm not a hater of Payton like I'm not in the same realm as you I'm more so. I don't like Drew Brees that much. I don't think Drew Brees is a top five quarterback all the time, no matter what his numbers say. I know that sounds a little controversial, but uh, I just don't see it with him. I think a lot of his passes are dinky and donkey, and it's part of a really good system Peyton runs on offense. But for the most part, I, I don't see someone on the same tier as you know Rodgers, Peyton Manning, are. Even uh, Patrick Mahomes is better than Drew Brees ever was, in my opinion. Or even uh, Lamar Jackson, there's a lot left to see. But Brees isn't, like, I, I, I'd have a hard time putting him top 10. Like, maybe 9 or 10, but I don't know. Like, I got to look deeper into these uh, road uh, home road splits. Because he's gotten to play in a dome for a heavy majority of his career. Since... Uh, 2006. It's 2009. Yeah, he's played for over two thirds of his career in a dome, and that's extremely beneficial. Like in fantasy, we're always looking for those teams playing in domes because it's almost always going to be a shootout, or at least it's a favorable condition to play in. So we don't really know what the true Drew Brees is like.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it's crazy to say that he's not top five. Cause I mean, I think you gotta have Brady, Manning, Marino, and Montana ahead of him, and then he's in the conversation for five. But there is a lot of quarterbacks in that conversation. Uh, I, I I agree to a, I agree to a degree. Uh, I definitely think he is an all time great, uh, and even though I agree he was never he was never Aaron Rodgers at his peak um, at all uh only one first team all pro, but playing in a playing with a lot of greats uh during this during his run. But he's one of those guys that he's consistently a top five quarterback, but I don't think there was ever a point in his career where you looked at Drew Brees and you were like, This is the best uh quarterback in the league. Kinda of like Dirk in the NBA. You know, Dirk Hall of Famer had a hell of a career. One of the best ever. But he it was, was like never really
2: his one championship, by the way.
1: Yeah, there you go. They're very similar. And Dirk was never like you never looked at Dirk and said, this is the guy. This is the best player in the NBA. Maybe he stood on top of that mountain after he won the finals just because he was better than LeBron in that series. But he wasn't Kobe. He wasn't LeBron. He wasn't Tim Duncan. He was a first ballot surefire Hall of Famer as is Breeze, but I don't think he was ever that top guy, uh, even though he was always in the mix. Uh, and that's how Drew Brees, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But uh, when you get into the conversation of the all-time greats, you have to deduct things like you just said. Uh, and I think just the pass-heavy system he was in benefited him. And you could say Tom Brady was a system quarterback too, but he's got five more rings and Drew Brees to show for it.
2: Yeah, and uh, outdoors, Drew Brees' uh, pass rating is eerily similar to Jared Goff's, and uh, he had he actually has less net air yards per game or uh, uh, per attempt than Jared Goff. So essentially, outdoors, he is Jared Goff.
1: <laughs> that is a take I could get behind. Uh, Jared Goff and Drew Brees, very similar players. Everyone's always said it. Uh, yeah. They'll have very similar careers as well. I and Jared think. Goff
2: won one-on-one in the playoffs, so... Yep. there are your facts.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Jared Goff is actually 3-1 against the Saints in the last three years.
2: Woo, shit. Yeah, that's a, that's a spicy meatball.
1: <laughs> hey, got the receipts. Uh, all right, I think we can wrap it up there. Before you go, Kev, because I don't know when you hear me back. Do you, just putting you on the spot. Next year, Jared Goff... Does he look more like 2019 Jared Goff or 2018 Jared Goff? Oh,
2: man. It really depends on the offensive line. Like, if we can protect him, he's going to be a very good quarterback. I don't know if he'll ever be 2017-2018 uh, Goff again, but I'm sure as hell he'll be better than he was this year.
1: Good enough for me. Uh, I I think he could get back to that point at some point, but, like, it's got to be a very— it's, it, the other offense has got to get fixed because we know he can play great when the rest of the offense is great. Uh, but if he really wants to be a truly great quarterback, he needs to be able to play great when the rest of the offense isn't so great. Uh, but topic for another, Kev, where can the people follow you? Where can they find your stuff?
2: Uh, you can find my work on Rotaballer. baller. Uh, I'm, shifting my gears into baseball season as we speak i'm still working on uh, basketball articles weekly i do a little waiver wire column and uh, host an ama on reddit every monday uh doing some waiver wire q a's and whatnot but uh mostly if you'd like to chat if you have any questions or you just want to shoot the shit hit me up on twitter at rotosurgeon r-o-t-o surgeon
1: there you go if you're playing any other fantasy sports football's over kevin's your guy uh, and don't forget, follow me on Twitter, at Steve Ribeiro. Uh, and follow Rams Talk on Twitter, at TalkRams. Johnny will be back next week. Uh, we got a good offseason doc for you guys, so hope to see you again. For Kev, this is Steve. Talk to you guys later. Peace out.
0: Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me?